Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is our note for the final week of the year 2021. Um, and we have a tradition at the American Age where the last podcast of the year uh, that falls uh, between Christmas and New Year's, as it always does, um, is focused on a topic uh, that I call unlucky days. Unlucky days uh, is an idea that I took from some of my early uh, graduate work uh, in which I spent some time with, you know, the Mesoamerican tradition and some of the archaeology and anthropology around that culture, um, you know, Aztecs, Mayans, etc. Um, and they have a pretty famously have a, a circular conception of time Um uh, there's a calendar round, a big count, and a little count uh, calendar. And, um, you know, it was always presented to me in, uh, that this circular conception of time is is uh, different or uh, out of step with how we think about time in the West. Uh, you know, this kind of marching forward progress, etc. But if you look closely at how we actually live we live inside a calendar round, right? January comes back every year, even though the the years move forward, January comes back every time. February comes back every time. December comes every time. Um, and Monday comes, Tuesday comes, Sunday comes. Like we repeat over and over and over again, uh, even as we have a linear calendar that, you know, marks uh, the common era. Uh in the circular round, there are five days in the Mesoamerican tradition that fall outside of the calendar. And these are inauspicious days. These are days in which you shouldn't enter into agreements or contracts. Uh, you know, there's stuff about, you know, you don't cut your nails, don't get married, you know, during this period of time. Uh, and this no time, this kind of liminal space between when one calendar ends and another calendar begins seemed very analogous to me um, to what we happens in the West between uh, December 25th and January 1st. These, these days between the end of one year and the start of the next where time moves differently, um, where you just, you, you become a little less aware of which day of the week it is. You know, maybe you still are working. I mean, many people still work during that time. If you're lucky enough to have time off, this probably exacerbates the situation. But even if you do have to work, um, the, uh, the days are kind of gooey, right? There, there isn't the same familiar procession. Like you're just waiting for one, one, in this instance, one one twenty two, and this liminal space always reminded me of death. In that, the ways that we order the universe, our living universe, are about creating handholds for ourselves to navigate and move through the world, to count the days, to keep count of the days. And a lot of ancient traditions, correspondent traditions, indigenous traditions. Um, from the Mesoamerican to the indigenous American in the north, uh, certainly uh, in ancient uh, Sumer and Babylon, one of the responsibilities of human beings is to keep track of time, to keep track of the days. Because 
it's our scaffolding. It's how we make sense of our place in the universe. It's how we orient ourselves to one another and to our projects, you know, endless projects, you know, our, our giant to-do lists, um, you know, the things that, that we fill up our time with, whether it's raising our children or starting a company um, or trying to finish a novel. We have to mark time. And when we're cast off from that demarcation, when we're adrift in the open without a firm guardrail or handle to help orient ourselves in time and space, it becomes um, freeing, but terrifying, and also confusing, and it creates listlessness. And all of the things that are probably less familiar to us in our waking lives, in our normal lives, suddenly come to the fore. And it is, in fact, the end of the cycle that exposes us to the end of the great cycle that is, of course, the end of the cycle of our living and our dying. And it always recalls for me, you know, the Tempest and Prospero, you know, Shakespeare at the end of his life, at the end of his powers, at the limit of his powers, Prospero the same, um, you know, the we are such stuff as dreams are made on and our little life is rounded with a sleep. Um, and that these limitations and these absences, these aporias are always what surround us. And what we spend so much of our time turning away from or working against, building against, laboring against, writing against, creating against, you know, reproducing against, um, what is really an inevitability. And inside of that horizon is, of course, all of the things that make life potentially a joy, all of the pleasures and the heartbreaks that make elation worth experiencing. And so every year we come back, you know, we have this little broadcast project with our handful of listeners and um, you know, and our running conversations and disagreements and understandings and reconciliations. And we come back to it every year to this period of time that is really no time that kind of wanders listlessly between the 25th and January 1st. And that's the setup. So that's unlucky days. You know, uh, really, there are no set rules. Um, you, you know, this is the first time we've done a note with Unlucky Days, so Seth and Stephen are going to take it in whatever direction they want to take it, As uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say about it. So that's my introduction. Uh, you'll get my little piece of it uh, a little bit later. Um, we really appreciate everyone who listens to the podcast, um, and I, I want to make sure that you all understand what a pleasure it is uh, that we get to do this and that uh, we have people who care enough to listen. Happy New Year, everyone. And here are our notes. This is Stephen G. Fullwood for American Age, Unlucky Days. What better way to engage the idea of unlucky days than in a semi-conscious note, right? These are days out of time. Liminal, betwixt. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, liminal, in its rare usage, is of or pertaining to the threshold or initial stage of a process. 
days out of time. For some, unlucky. As an archivist in memory work, I like to tell people that I've been to the future and that I know someone is looking for you. What trail will you leave behind for them to find you? And it's because I have been to the future and so have you. We've all been to the future. We're living in the present and we reminisce about the past. I want to ask you this. Who are you when you're not you? What happens when structures are no longer structures holding us in a space to be this thing they call you? One of the simplest ways to conceptualize the becomingness of liminal space in media, for example, is to think of the virtual. In his essay, The Reality of the Virtual, Slavoj Žižek addresses Gil Deleuze's notion of the virtual as pure becoming without being, which is always forthcoming and already past. Once again, and always forthcoming and already past. But this is never, it is never present or corporal. And that's from the Chicago School of Media Theory at the University of Chicago Division of the Humanities. The fear of what happens to you when you're not being held in place by structures and the ideas you've invested in most of your conscious life is an interesting space. You're not in reality. You are somewhere else, undefined, loose, wild, and full of possibility. Days out of time, time out of time. The regularity of our days orients and forms and shapes us to believe that there is a beginning and an end. And there are moments and there are days where I think, or feel is probably a better word, that I'm living several moments at once. That I'm living in my past, present, and future. And this, my friend, aligns well with my idea of memory work and archives. Archives are always in a contentious space of having to explain or partially explain the past and then consider what might be useful for the future. All the while, archivists and memory workers are gathering, processing, cataloging, making available to the public in some manner, shape, or form what we think might be of use in telling part of our collective story. In those out-of-time moments, I can feel it strongly that I'm living multiple moments and that what it does for me in the best sense of a feeling is become less attached to the moment. And there's a flowing feeling that offers me some relief from the grief that I feel, the sadness, and sometimes even the joy, because sometimes I need to be lifted out of that as well. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Is the feeling of the flow is the only feeling that I trust in the moment. Everything begins and it ends. And that's just the way it is. After experiencing so much death this year, my godson's two siblings, people that I love and admire, friends, as well as my own health scare with regards to my blood pressure and my heart, flow is the only place where I can go to find some relief. And in that flow is laughter and acceptance. And in that acceptance is laughter. I think I'm obsessed with memory and archiving, or rather haunted by it, because it's, it's that melody that finds itself playing in my consciousness always. There's never just one part of the composition playing. There's always, there's not just a note, for example. It's the memory of the note. It's the note in the moment. And it's the anticipation of the new note. And that there's something a lot larger afoot, a lot bigger than just that key or that chord or whatever. And sometimes I can hear the music better than at other times. Sometimes we are out of time, unlucky days, which is exciting. Unlucky days are good days for me. Being able to hear that kind of music, a sort of soundtrack to my life, is vital to me. And when I can't hear it, I get scared because I feel like I'm too off my flow space. 
that then I realize I'm taking this thing way too seriously, this reality thing, and that I've given myself over to the terror and fear and someone's idea, someone else's idea of poor living. And I don't mind terror and fear, but they're at best just flashpoints to remind me of what's at stake, how to love and how to be imaginative. After spending a day and a half in the emergency room after doctors and nurses tested me for my blood, my EKG machines and all this other stuff, beep, beep, beep. I left the hospital thinking I need some liminal space. Thank goodness for the unlucky days ahead. Dream space. And what will I dream? I mean, of course, I want to be alive, right? I don't know anything else at this point. And I want to be healthy. I look out of my living room window and it's a Wednesday in Harlem couple days before Christmas. It's about 40 degrees outside. It's been several days since I've been released from the hospital. I'm on blood pressure medicine, and I'm in a liminal space where I just want to listen to strange music, hear movies, lay on the couch, wrap myself in heavy blankets, sweat, and turn up the heat. I don't want to dream right now. I know who I can be and who that guy is, but I also want to let him rest. He needs to rest. He needs to wrestle with the uncomfortable spaces ahead around capacity and health and so forth. But I just need him to rest. Going forward, he will be looking for these unlucky days. He might create a few of his own. Right now, he's just grateful for the space to be in this space and in the one becoming. Hello, this is Seth Rodney, a senior critic and opinions editor at Hyperallergic, and this is my note on this episode I think we're calling Unlucky Days for our podcast, The American Age. I'm speaking to you on December 25th, Christmas Day, and it is a strange day for me. I am alone which I don't mind very much, actually. I rather like my company, my own company. But it is hazy, and it's rainy outside, and it's been like that since I've been awake today. So it feels like one of those days where I'm being asked to slow down and be a bit more introspective. quieter, thoughtful, more thoughtful, perhaps than usual. I actually like this time of year, which uh, Travis initially called Unlucky Days because of his study of this sort of Mesoamerican habits and customs of a particular historical period he took to the idea of calling this time of year, this sort of in-between space where the days just seem different and time dilates. He took to calling these kinds of days that, that occur at this time of year unlucky ones. You feel actually rather lucky to me because I have the time and space to breathe through them. I'm not scrambling to do anything 
I was able to do some life admin stuff today. But mostly I spent the day, spent the first few waking hours of it just laying in bed, scrolling through Facebook and TikTok and Twitter. It felt very leisurely to me. And because everyone is elsewhere, sort of ensconced with their families and friends, it feels like there's no pressure on me to do anything in particular. I mean, if I wanted to start drinking at noon, I could. I don't. But there's no obligation for me to do much of anything today. And that feels really lucky. It feels like something to be grateful for, that I'm at the space and I have the space in my life and I'm at the time in my life. I, um, I'm, I've developed the circumstances by which I can have this day where I spend it mostly leisurely and the things that I have to do or the things I give myself to do are things not that I have to do but, the, but are things that I just want to do. Like send out messages to folks about Christmas or the holidays. Like um, uh, recording this note. Uh, like uh, doing some online shopping, which I may do later. Talking with friends, which uh, I've done already today. It feels good to be at this place in my life where I can be really intentional about how I spend the time I have today and the time I'll have tomorrow. And I can be kind of spendthrift with them. I can really just take a few hours to stay in bed after I wake up. And I know that all of this is earned. I do. I know that there's no necessary uh, scenario in in which I ended up here. Um, My story could have been very different. And when I wake up in the morning and I come out, to my apartment, which is large and is comfortable and is warm and everything works and things are where I left them last night, I feel grateful. And I feel like these days are days in which I get to take the time to really explore my feelings and uh, Things that have bedeviled me this year, the work situations or the personal relationships that have struck me as difficult or uh, thorny. Yeah. These actually feel like quite lucky days to me because I have the time and space to do this kind of inventory, emotional inventory. 
Yeah, I wouldn't mind having a few more days like this in the year. I don't know if I will. Maybe next weekend will feel like this, but I can't tell. I think next weekend I'll have more social obligations. Obligations isn't the right word. They're really not obligatory at all. In fact, under the pandemic, it doesn't feel like there's anything that I have to do socially, but there are things that I want to do. Maybe I'll get a couple more days like this the next weekend. I would like that. I hope that the days feel lucky for you too, all of you who are listening to me now. This is C. Travis Webb, and this is my note for this week on Unlucky Days. You all heard my intro in which I set up uh, kind of the frame for why we return to this theme every year, or why I ask that we return to this theme every year, and my co-hosts are very gracious and uh, patient men, and they're willing to indulge me in this. Um, I talk about something different every year, um, and this year I thought I would talk briefly about the Epic of Gilgamesh. So probably most listeners uh, that are listening to the podcast uh, know the Epic of Gilgamesh is, you know, give or take about 4,000 years old. Uh, it is one of the oldest extent literatures, probably the oldest religious text outside of uh, following uh, the pyramid texts of, of ancient Egypt. Um, uh, it was known in Sumer, uh, began with a series of Sumerian poems, um, eventually came combined in the Akkadian literature, uh, and then moved to Assyria and kind of made its way around the Near East. Uh, the story is about a great king named Gilgamesh, uh, who has many adventures. Um, and finally, at the end of his journeys, wants to overcome death, because he is stricken with grief at the loss of his friend. I'm going to read a small excerpt from the moment when obviously this is in translation. Um, and you know, thanks to the hard work of many translators and Assyriologists and uh, Experts and scholars in, in ancient languages over the years were able to enjoy this uh, this piece of literature. Um, I'm going to read you a couple of paragraphs. Not long after Gilgamesh has uh, realized um, that his friend Yankee is is dead, um, and he's asked um, Gilgamesh, "Why are you hurrying to? You will never find that life for which you are looking." When the gods created man, they allotted to him death. But life they retained in their own keeping. As for you, Gilgamesh, fill your belly with good things. Day and night, night and day, dance and be merry, feast and rejoice. Let your clothes be fresh, bathe yourself in water, cherish the little child that holds your hand, and make your wife happy in your embrace. For this too is the lot of man." But Gilgamesh said to Siduri, the young woman, How can I be silent? How can I rest? When Yankee-Doo, whom I love, is dust, and I too shall die and be laid in the earth. You live by the seashore and look into the heart of it. Young woman, tell me now, which is the way to Utnapishtim, the son of Ubaratutu? What directions are there for the passage? Give me, oh, give me directions. I will cross the ocean if it is possible." If it is not, I will wander still farther in the wilderness. The winemaker said to him, Gilgamesh, there is no crossing the ocean. 
Whoever has come since the days of old has not been able to pass that sea. The sun in his glory crosses the ocean, but who besides Shamish has ever crossed it? The place and the passage are difficult, and the waters of death are deep, which flow between. Gilgamesh eventually um, obtains the directions for returning to the or uh, to venturing to the land of everlasting life. Uh, attempts to bring back um, the plant that will guarantee him eternal life, but of course fails to do so. He falls asleep. It was written four thousand years ago. Uh, it was, of course, written about a king, and yes, our ancient societies were, by and large, patriarchal. Um, ancient civilizations were, at least. Uh, and yes, um, many horrors were visited upon uh, the people that were subjects to these empires. Uh, and I don't gloss them, I don't dismiss them, I don't ignore them. But even here, in the oldest literature that we have, that remains from this ancient civilization we have someone who is afraid to die and who it's only wisdom the only thing that can be offered to him is enjoy and seek pleasure and happiness in those that surround you and those you're with the the advice that he's given is not go off on his own it's embrace those he loves uh, embrace his progeny uh, embrace the world around him. And for me, that's what I try to remind myself of every year when we come back to what we call unlucky days, is that finally, in the end, we will all be unlucky. Uh, no matter what success we enjoy, no matter what rewards, however much money we make, however many women or men love us, however many children we have, Homes we own, boats, oceans we cross, glorious trips we've had on across Europe, Africa, Asia, Australia, the Americas, North and South, Antarctica. It doesn't matter. In the end, we will all be unlucky. All of us. Eventually, our bodies will give out, our minds will get soft, our teeth won't work as well. And I think that if each of us can do a better job in remembering that simple existential fact, our ultimate unluckiness, that it might allow us to treat each other with a little bit more kindness, a little bit less judgment, and a little bit more hope for what we can accomplish in the future, uh, and giving ourselves the space to disagree to argue, to fight, but to ultimately come back together over the idea that each one of our lives matters. Um, it's not our collective that matters. It's the one thing that is unique about each and one, each and every one of us is that there is an each and every one of us. Um, and that the way that we interact with the world is here now and will never be again. So... That's my unlucky day. That's that's my reminder for myself, and I would like to share that with you. Uh, we always uh, appreciate our listeners, and thank you very much for being with us through another year. And we will catch you on the other side. <laughs>